0: want to hire a dream team your very own dream team or grow one that you've already got it might be easier than you think if you know what steps to take my next guest is an expert in helping you find the right talent and is going to share some of her secrets on how to hire your dream team so stay tuned this is business confidential now with hannah hassel kelchner helping you see business issues hiding in plain view that matter to your bottom line. Welcome to Business Confidential Now. I'm your host, Hannah Hassel-Kelchner, and I have a terrific guest for you today. She's Andrea Hoffer, the founder and CEO of AHA Recruiting Experts, a consulting and recruiting firm based out of Boca Raton, Florida, specializing in helping companies attract and retain top talent that can take your organization to the next level. She's also published a book, Higher Higher. Now I know that title sounds a little misleading, but when you see it, the first higher is as in hiring, bringing people on board, and the second higher is pronounced the same way, but is really spelled differently. It's H I G H E R, as in reaching the next level. So Higher Higher I really don't know how else to say it. So I'll just be asking the questions from here and let Andrea do the talking so we all can find out how to hire a dream team that meets our business needs. So welcome to Business Confidential Now, Andrea. Thank you, Hannah. It's great to be here. So wonderful to have you. You know, startups and small business owners in particular, they wear so many hats. And as their business begins to take off and grow, they suddenly realize they need help but they're strapped for time. Where would you recommend they begin if they're looking to hire a dream team?
1: Well, they really need to begin in just discovering who they really need. So what happens is they know they're overburdened, they know they need help, and they just put an ad out there and they're not really sure who they need, what kind of skills they're looking for, what are the outcomes they're looking for. And what happens is they might bring somebody on who is not the right fit for the position or even their culture. So I always say, start with a discovery. You want to figure out what you expect from this new person you're bringing on. What are the outcomes you're looking? What is it going to look at 90 days, six months, one year from now, if this person is successful? What do you want them to accomplish? And also, what do you bring to the table as the employer? It's a little bit of a give and take. And you want to make sure that they are the right fit and they're happy and successful
0: as part of your team. Well, let's drill down a little bit because isn't it a little hard for people to really know what they don't know? I mean, they know they need help, but how do they go figuring out what skills are really necessary?
1: We like to start with six discovery questions. So the first one we often ask our clients to ask, and all of these questions are in my book as well. And the first one is, why does the position exist? Just putting a little bit of thought, no answer needs to be perfect. You just want to put some thought to each of these questions. So the first question, you know, how does this contribute to the mission of the company, to what the company is all about? How is this going to move the needle forward for you? Because everybody wants to feel needed. They want to know that they're contributing to something bigger. So if you put some thought into that and know that before you start going out and hiring, it's going to be easier to attract a good person because they're going to want to know how they fit in that puzzle. The next thing is what are the results and outcomes needed from this position, which is what I mentioned earlier. What are some of the things you want to see happen in the next 90 days or so? Because then that's going to help you in one, attracting the right person. Because if you put it out there, what you're looking for this person to accomplish, people are going to be attracted to that because they may have done something similar in a past position. Or it will help them to figure out if their skills are transferable to what you're trying to fill. And then then you start to think about what are the skills and experiences needed to do this job successfully? And I think this is the rabbit hole that most business owners fall down. They think, okay, I need someone. So here's the laundry list of skills and experience. I need them to have already in order to be successful. And sometimes they don't need those specific skills, or even if they have those specific skills and experience, they might not be able to accomplish those outcomes that are necessary for them to be successful and you as a company to be successful. So it's better to first think about the results and outcomes you need from this position before you start thinking about, well, what skills do they actually need in order to accomplish those outcomes? The more you can get from the candidate of what they've accomplished in the past, the more you can connect that to what you're looking to accomplish in the future. And the next question that we typically take them down are the success traits, the specific traits that you are looking for in somebody from day to day. Are they a great planner? Are they very good at building rapport with clients? What are those traits that are necessary to be successful? And we call them success traits. And we typically figure that out by asking about specific examples of stories. If, if you don't have a team in the past, you can even think of the examples of how you've shown up when you've filled some part of this role in the past. And think about those characteristics that are necessary in order to be successful. And then we ask them to think about their core values. What is their culture based on These are guiding posts that their entire company runs on. It's how they make decisions day-to-day without the CEO or the president having to be in on every decision because they know that every person in their team follows their core values and lives them every day and uses them to make the day-to-day decisions. And then our last part of the discovery is thinking about What these team members that you're looking for, what they want in a job, and how can you give that to them? It's not always money. It could be that they love to learn. And can you provide them with different learning opportunities? So that's a basic overview of discovery process that we recommend and we talk about and we do with our clients that is often overlooked. And I know everybody wants to get that brass ring right away we find if you go through this discovery process even if it's just for an hour to start to think about these things then you can go to the next step to start attracting the right people for your position
0: well that's a lot of food for thought and i appreciate your discussion of those because sometimes i think especially for the smaller startup business they needed somebody yesterday And so (laughs) they're so eager to just get some things off their plate. They're not necessarily thinking through these steps. And then a couple of weeks or a couple of months later, they discover, well, this really isn't working out so well. Now, how do I get out of this mess and or how do I fix it either way? So it sounds like it's worthwhile to definitely go through that and give it a little bit more thought than just shooting from the hip and hiring somebody with a pulse who's interested But I am curious, though, in your experience, how often do you find that the client that you're working with, and I'm talking about the individual decision maker, not the business as a whole, but the individual decision maker is looking to find somebody like themselves?
1: Uh, Often, yes, especially when it's a small
0: business.
1: And sometimes that's okay if they're going to be stepping outside that role, But we try to open the eyes of the client and to help them see, well, maybe somebody who brings something different to the company or something different to the role could actually enhance it. So that's why we love telling stories and taking as many stories from the client as possible of what has been successful in the past and what hasn't worked, whether it's something they did or a past team member and to pull different things from that story to learn, okay, well, that person showed up in such a way that is a little bit different than the way you showed up, but yet you said they handled that situation very successfully. So maybe we're not looking for somebody exactly like you. So it's a little bit of a give and take in that. And when I talk about discovery process, it doesn't take months. Again, our discovery process is Typically about 90 minutes. And it's just to get them to start thinking so that we can drill down of exactly what they're looking for. And it can be tweaked along the way as they remember other things as, as we're
0: hiring. Very good. If nothing, just priming the pump to get them thinking about these different things, which is awesome. Now, you mentioned exactly. something before about, you know, one thing you have the criteria now, how do you attract the ideal? candidates. So what steps are involved with that?
1: Well, we start with a job posting. And it's kind of funny for me to say that because one of the biggest mistakes I see business owners or hiring managers make is just throwing a job posting out there. But when we say we start with a job posting, after the discovery process, we take the notes from that and we actually transcribe it and we record it And we put it into our job posting formula. So it's very easy to find, okay, you know, what are the characteristics needed to be successful in this position? And it, it actually says in the posting, you are the ideal candidate if, and then it just very succinctly talks about how you show up. And the same thing with why you'll love it here. You'll love working here because, and then it has those bullet points. But we take all that information and make it easy for people to find what's most important to them. Because most candidates are not going to read all the way through a posting. They're just going to look for the information that's most important to them. The other thing we do is after we've created that, we write typically about four, maybe five questions that start off the posting because the whole point is to engage them right away. And we want the right candidates as they're reading these questions to be saying, yes, that's me, or no, that's not me. So that they're eliminating themselves if they're not already identifying. But if they are identifying with it, they continue to read and then they usually will jump to the part of the posting that is most important to them. And then we take that posting and we make it very visual. And we put it And anybody can do this. There's so many softwares out there. Or you could even do it on your website where you're putting pictures and videos and icons to make that information jump off the page. And, again, kind of bringing that candidate in. And we find starting with that helps a great deal in in attracting quality candidates because over and over we hear from candidates, well, this really jumped off the page for me. It really resonated with me when I saw that or I read your core values. That's the biggest thing we hear is we really resonated with your core values. And then you have to think about, well, where do these people hang out? And typically, a lot of it would be online. It, It depends on the position. But what type of Facebook groups are they in? Or are they on TikTok? Or are they in different LinkedIn groups? and spend some time or have somebody on your team spending some time there and talking about the opportunity that you have available. Job boards are great, but right now that is not the only way, and it's not the best way to find candidates. It's an easy entry point, and I would still recommend using the job boards, but I would also go a step further and think of places that the people you're trying to attract would be in reaching them and and one of the ways if you currently have a team would be to ask your current team members well, where do you spend your time online or even offline especially if it's in office or in store type position and so that they can help you to reach the appropriate people
0: well that's fascinating about how you're talking about adding images and video and just all these different forms of engagement especially the questions that you start out, could you give me an example from just, even if it's a hypothetical job posting, of the kind of question that you would start off with?
1: Sure. I'm a big believer of that first question really getting to the point. So, for example, years ago, we were hiring a business development professional for a salmon farm. So it was a land-based salmon farm, agricultural and I don't remember the exact question, but it was something to the effect of, are you a business professional in the food industry or in the agriculture industry? So the first question is, was very like, this is what we're looking for, you know, very direct. And then the next one might be, sometimes it can be something basic, like, do you love customers? Is working with customers your favorite thing, if that's very important to the job? Actually, I should probably pull up a couple of postings to give you some other ideas. But we work with, we actually have a copywriter on our team. So she's, of course, a lot better at coming up with some of these questions. But you can even use tools, like there's a tool called Jasper, J-A-S-P-E-R, that sometimes will run pieces of our posting through to just kind of tweak it so it sounds better that's one of the tools that we use. We actually have a business development job right now at our company. I can read you those questions. So it says, are you a go-getter is our first question because we need somebody who's going to be a go-getter and cultivate business for us. So we don't want someone who is used to doing business development where they get all the leads. We want somebody who's going to be out there really hitting the pavement of leads. So that question alone is starting to get at that. And then we say, are you someone who is high energy, extremely organized, and can manage your work without a lot of direction or hand-holding? So just in that second question, it's giving you a really good overview of who we're looking for. Because we're making the assumption that most people are only going to read these questions. Some of them we're hoping that they'll continue to read, but we want to at least get and the most important information to them
0: clearly and succinctly with these first couple of questions. Th- Great. Is that Yeah. No, that that's it clear. Yeah. It's always helpful to have an example. So, all right. Yep. You know what you're looking for? You're scouring the different locations where your ideal candidate might be so that you can assemble this dream team and hire your dream team Now the interview process, okay, you've narrowed it down to a group of people that look like they've got the stuff you're looking for. Tell me about the interview process, because especially when you want to hire a dream team, I would think that that's pretty intense. You don't want to be making mistakes. So what are the most important things to zero in on?
1: I'm going to walk you through our formula for interviewing, because I think that is probably the most powerful tool. And and this formula is built on some of the best gurus when it comes to interviewing. And the first thing is we start most interview questions with could you, could you share, could you tell me? And the reason we start with that is it's very conversational. It makes the candidate feel like they have an element of control. It's very different than the traditional questioning where it was tell you, very directional. It's almost, you hear like the old stories of making the candidate feel uncomfortable because you want to grill them. That's not the way you're going to really get to know them. You want them to feel as comfortable as possible and make it feel more like a conversation. The more comfortable they feel, the more of themselves they're going to share with you. You'd actually be amazed at some of the things that have been shared with me over the years. And then the next part of the question is, A specific example. So it's, could you share a specific example of? Now, specific example is your power phrase. And you always want to say that. Either specific example or specific story, any specific something. We'd usually say specific example. And then you want to take some situation that is typical for this position you're hiring for. And you want to put that in. So, for example, if you're looking for, say, someone who tends to take ownership of things, you might ask, could you share a specific example of a time at work where it wasn't clear who was responsible for a certain task? And the thing that you'll notice that's not in that is, and how did you resolve that? Or how did you figure it out? You don't want to add that in because that's giving away the answer. You just wanna present the situation and ask them to tell you of a specific example when they've been faced with a similar situation. And if you continue to ask questions like this and each one is very much tied to the job, you'll start to see a pattern in how they respond. If one, they're talking in generalities, and even though you're continuously asking them for details and specific examples, if they keep giving you very general statements and saying things like you should do this, then that's kind of a red flag. That's not telling me that they've done anything I'm looking for in the past. But if they walk you through specific examples of them being the person, you know, of how they were in these situations and how they acted, then you get a much better feel for How they typically show up in these types of situations, and how they would probably show up if they were part of your team. And it's something you have to get used to in interviewing, but once you start to use this tool, it's amazing the information you get from your interview. And when you're really keyed into, am I getting specific details about what they've done in the past, or am I just hearing? All the flowery keywords that the internet tells them to say, <laughs> you can tell the difference because there's so much information out there on how to interview effectively where they're giving you all the words that you, they think the employers are looking for. And if you have good interview questions, no interview response should be the same. If you get the same interview response from the candidate with the same question over and over again, it's not a good question because everybody should have very different backgrounds and experience
0: very good well well, let me try this out could you share (laughs) some specific examples (laughs) of like the job offer process because you know okay this is great information about how to craft interview questions to get at the real meat not just form but substance of the person that you're interviewing and their capabilities and your evaluation of how they fit into your organization culturally, which is really great. So I appreciate that, Andrea. But what about the offer? That seems to be kind of a linchpin sometimes. What advice do you have for that stage of the process when hiring a dream team?
1: Well, first of all, don't wait to think about the offer until you're making an offer with the first interview or the first couple of interviews, you want to be asking the candidate about why they're looking for a change. What are the things that are frustrating them about their current position? If they could change anything about their current organization or position, what are those things? And take detailed notes, because you may need them when it comes to the offer. And at the same time, I'm a huge believer in being transparent about pay. Don't leave the pay blank on the postings. Be upfront or else you're going to waste so much time. Have a range that you're comfortable with for your budget. That doesn't mean every candidate would get the top of the range. You just put in there. It depends on the experience and then you can negotiate that later. But at least they know. I mean, don't make the range huge. (laughs) I would keep it within, you know, 20, maybe 30,000 at most. But depending upon how much it is, but that way that they know, if somebody is used to making 100,000 and they apply for a job that they assume is paying over 100,000, but it's really paying 40,000, then you're wasting time up front. So that's why I'm a big believer in transparency. Then as you get to know them and get to understand why they'd be interested in leaving their current position and what they're looking for in their next position. When you get to the offer part, that's your fodder. That's your information that you can use. So what's happening a little bit is we're seeing sometimes people will be made an offer and their current employer, when they tell them, they say, well, we'll pay you $30,000 more. And so it does sometimes become a bit of a price war. Not always, but sometimes. And that's the opportunity for you to go back to the candidate and say, well, this is all I have in my budget. Here's the reasons we really want you. And here's development opportunities we see for you. That's big with candidates. It always has been, you know, what kind of growth opportunities do I have here? But let me also remind you, here's some of the reasons you shared with me early on of why you were looking to leave. So I understand they might be offering you more money, but are these things going to change? And how important is this to you? And so you might not always win the offer that way, but you're more likely to so that it doesn't just become about the money and it's more about what are they looking for in a job and is your opportunity a better fit for them?
0: I love that. That just brings the whole conversation full circle to where they started with you. And I think that can be incredibly powerful because there are so many studies that say people leave their boss. And it's rarely about the money. I mean, I can understand at the entry levels, certainly some of these Mm -hmm. are not living wages and they definitely need to move on in order to make more money and, and have more responsibility. But there comes a point where how you're treated, how you fit into the culture is as important, if not more important than the money. So Andrea, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate these excellent tips for how to hire a dream team. I think they are are just terrific and I appreciate how you've enumerated them and elaborated on why they're important and how they fit in and how they are worth the time doing. So if you're listening and you'd like more information about Andrea Hoffer and her recruiting team, Aha! Recruiting Experts, or her book, Hire, Hire, How to Attract, Interview, and Grow Your Dream Team, that information can be found in the show notes at businessconfidentialradio.com. And if you know someone who's looking to hire a dream team, you know, the right people for the job, please tell them about this podcast episode, share the link, and leave a positive review so others can learn about it too. You can do it on your podcast app or at lovethepodcast.com forward slash businessconfidential. And I thank you for your time listening to Business Confidential Now with Hannah Hassel-Kelchner. Have a great day and an even better tomorrow.